think about your own weirdness. What's special about you? What do other people not have? What's unique about you? And how does that uniqueness translate into a benefit for the employer? Because if you exploit the weirdness you have, the uniqueness you have, if you use the fact that you have a little bit more character maybe, or like you have the creativity, just really think about what benefits can I extrapolate from that and try to market those. The fact that you jump out of the box is an asset rather than something to be scowled at. Hey, hi, Stephanie. Hi, Vincent. How are you? Being great today, are you? Yes, I'm great. All right. Welcome to a new episode of the Better Teams podcast. Vincent here. I am product manager at Antivals, a consultancy company helping you building better teams through training sessions, workshops, coaching, and interim management. You can find everything we do on our website, antivals.com. In this episode, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Stephanie Decock. Stephanie is HR manager, employee satisfaction advocate, and radical HR. And we'll see what this means later during the episode. But Stephanie is also a weirdo. Yes, you heard me well. She's what you could call a multi-potentialite, curious about many things, doing many things, and not quite fitting into the picture of what is traditionally expected. And this is one of today's main topics. Weirdness, originality, diversity. How to welcome weirdos or multi-potentialites in the corporate world. Why you should recruit them, embrace diversity, and what it takes, what it means to include them the incredible richness they will bring to your work environment, and what happens when you embrace and share your passion at work. We'll also push the boundaries of the so-called diversity, how it's traditionally understood, what is usually made in its name, and we'll see how we can maybe do better. And you know what, dear listener? Maybe, just maybe, you're a bit of a weirdo yourself. I will let you think about that. But now, let's join Stephanie. When people are interested in getting to know other people, usually they ask about their job, about what they do. And I was wondering, if I were to meet you, like our listeners are actually meeting you today, and if I were to question you about what you do, what would you tell me? It's a very hard question. I don't think anyone can be defined by any one aspect of their being, but I guess uh, I would start about my, my day job, as most people would. So for my day job, I'm a human resources generalist, which means mostly I like to get the right person uh, in the right spot and um, keep them there by keeping them happy, keeping them motivated. I like having personnel in the right place. So that's what's, what drives me in my job. I think keeping people motivated is very important as a business and it saves you money in the long run. So yeah, that would be my main answer. But I know more about you. I mean, I have an advantage on listeners because we've talked before. And uh, I know there is a lot more behind or in addition, uh, so to speak, to your job position as an HR manager. So would you mind telling our listeners, telling us about the other things you do as well, that the, the other activities that also define you? You're right. There's a, there's a lot more to it. I'm a busy bee, as they say it. So apart from my day job, I do a lot of things. I have a lot of hobbies. First and foremost, I'm a fire performer. So uh, we like to put stuff on fire and dance with it, twirl with it, breathe fire, eat fire, uh, everything that uh, that that's, comes with it. Um, that's, very, very, <laughs> that's very, very cool. Do you eat fire? Yes. Uh, wow. Well, not literally, I guess. That would be bad <laughs> for the stomach, but um, <laughs> that's what it looks like anyway. So a bit of sideshow um, and everything that surrounds it. So um, people just see the show, but of course... There's choreography behind it, there's costume work, there's client contact, there's a little bit of graphic design, making posters, uh, making videos. So it's a hobby that comes with a lot of side quests that, um, that I 
keep doing as well. This is why I also dabble a bit in photography and graphic design because I got interested on the way somewhere. I read a lot of books as well. I collect taxidermy. Uh, so I have a lot of skulls and, and skeletons in the house. On Thursday nights, I learn Japanese. So yeah, I, I guess if you really want to know everything, we'd be gone for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> when did you start playing and dancing with fire? It started a bit like everything in my life seems to start, which is because something else ends. <laughs> so okay. I come from one hobby. Um, first, I came from photography, actually. I was a hobby model when I was a teenager. I also was asked by a photographer. Through the modeling, I got into contact with some dancers. Then I got into dancing. And then from the dancing, I wanted to create an act about a phoenix. So I wanted like a phoenix costume. And I was like, oh, it would be cool if the wings would actually be on fire. And then I met someone who actually did stuff with fire. And then I rolled into the fire stuff. And then, yeah, from the fire stuff, I rolled into uh, laser shows because my boyfriend combines the fire and the laser. So now we're doing laser as well. And this is how everything in my life goes. I just, something hits me on the way and I grab it and I put it on my boat and, and on we go. <laughs> When we first talked a few weeks ago, we talked about weirdos and how it can actually be very difficult for these so-called Uh, weirdos to find a place to be included and especially regarding recruitment uh, sessions that wouldn't necessarily go well for these people. Maybe first, how would you define, how would you describe uh, a weirdo? I define it mostly like uh, people who don't fit into a traditional picture or into what was traditionally expected from someone in a, in a professional workplace. So that's often something more visual, like piercings, tattoos, alternative clothing, anything else that jumps out that instantly makes people feel like, mm, that's a weirdo. But also there's, of course, people who jump out of the beaten path uh, in another way. We have a very traditional view of what the career ought to be and, and how you go about uh, building a career. It's often expected from people to pick a path and, and stick with it, even though a lot of people don't fit into that idea. Um, like myself, I do a lot of things. I come along interesting things along the way and, and I want to learn more about that as well. And that makes a hard um, career path for some people because some people don't want to spend their life on, on one thing. There's a lot of, of these weirdos that get turned down a lot in recruitment uh, procedures because they always get someone else picked over them, uh, someone who does fit in that picture. And I think that's a, a sad thing because someone who worked three completely different jobs might not have 10 years of experience in your field, but might have a lot of other experiences that are valuable as well. And that could help your company out in, in ways you didn't even anticipate or expect. Yeah. But if you don't want to hire someone unexpected, you won't get any unexpected results either. You also mentioned that you don't necessarily call people weirdos, but also multipotential. That's a, that's a term you really like. I really think it describes you well as well. What does it mean to you, multipotential? I think multipotentialites, it's become more of a term later years. Multipotentialites to me are people who want to taste of everything in life, uh, have a broad interest field and maybe aren't an expert in one field, but know a little bit about everything. And multipotentiality for me is a skill that's often undervalued in, in the workplace because people keep looking for expert and specific knowledge um, rather than for a broader knowledge. Do you have actually examples of multipotentialites rejected in interviews? And why do you think companies can be more reluctant or more hesitant to hire them? Yeah, I've seen a lot of these examples in the workplace as well as in my personal uh, atmosphere, of course, with uh, the fire shows and all. There's a lot of people over there who are creative and outgoing and who like a lot of things and who run into that problem of having to juggle all the balls 
<laughs> for, uh, for example, uh, having to juggle a lot, of the, a lot of different things just to be able to have that kind of experience of uh, multi-potentiality. There was one lady I, I, I really remember, um, she applied for a job when I was hiring for it. I saw two different resumes from her. So I, there was one I saw on, an, on a job site and one uh, that got sent to me to mail. And it struck me that on one of them, she had, I believe, an education for makeup artistry on her resume and on the other one it wasn't there. So I asked her about it and I said, okay, um, I see you have you have this makeup artistry here and it's not over there. Did you stop with it or uh, what's the deal? And she said, oh yeah, I forgot to take it off the second one as well. Uh, I took it off my first one because I got the comments from companies and from my, um, how do you call it, um, like a consultant who helps you with finding jobs. So she got a lot of comments from them saying that she should take the makeup artistry off because people wouldn't be taking her seriously. Even though this was a very talented lady and there was no reason not to take her seriously, but she still was made to feel that way because mm. her makeup artistry skills did not fit into the traditional package of what was expected from someone in the position she was applying for. I thought it was so sad because this is someone who has a full-time job and after her job, she still finds the energy to go to an education, to work for that, to get all, all these materials for makeup artistry, to uh, recruit clients because she worked for brides, for example, for, for weddings, um, doing makeup, to have these client contacts, to negotiate prices, to have her work marketed, uh, take pictures of it, put it online. I mean, a lot of work went into it and a lot of skills that, that we could use in other jobs as well were things she could show through that uh, and yet she chose to hide it because she was made to feel like um, it was somehow of less value than another skill. And I think situations like that are really sad because those are people we can we can use. Those are uh, driven people, passionate people with skills we can use. And, and I think sometimes we have to just broaden our view on that and go further than what we traditionally envision for someone uh, we look for in a job. Yeah, I agree. But at least you asked questions. That's um, a good first step. I mean, as an HR recruiter, I mean, you knew that she had another curriculum online. So you confronted it. I mean, you asked questions. You said, what happened? Why? So she could mm -hmm. feel safe, I guess, and start talking about that to you. That's always what I try to do in recruiting sessions as well. Uh, when I see someone um, who is a bit shy or, or uh, I try to talk about their hobbies and sometimes stuff comes out that you wouldn't even imagine, you wouldn't expect. And then later in their career with the company, you could say, oh, we have a company party and, and uh, remember you do that. Maybe you could help out with that and they feel appreciated. So it really works wonders for both sides, actually. So why do you think companies are so reluctant, so hesitant to hire these people, even though it's, it sounds very paradoxical because when you want to, I mean, in theory, when you want to hire somebody, you want to know who that person is and make the most of these person interest. So be honest. And when you, when you come to a recruiting session, ideally, you want to be yourself. Uh, you want to promote who you are. So why do you think there is um, a disconnect here? I think a lot of companies are reluctant to hire someone like that because, uh, well, first of all, they think these people will be job hopping all the way. Uh, they will change jobs very quickly because mm. they, they want to do everything or um, they have too many hobbies. They won't have any time to do overtime. They won't be uh, willing to work weekends. Maybe they will uh, start their own company uh, and then maybe they will have to go work part-time or they will stop here because they want to start their own business. And companies sometimes start speculating about that already. When seeing someone with so many hobbies and skills, they're like, oh, that's someone we will not be able to rely on. 
Mm, not stable. Yeah, mm -hmm. unstable. Yeah. That's an, an excuse I hear often uh, from hiring managers and, and people who are looking for new employees, but they don't look at the other side of these multi-potentialites. They don't look at the creativity that's in there. Uh, they don't look of, at, uh, okay, this is a person who can think out of the box. They usually only focus on, oh, they won't be able to work overtime. Do you think one of the problems here is that among all the things that you do, either your example or your own experience, that it's hard for HR, for recruiters trying to hire you to link what you've done to like actual benefits for the company or actual concrete value? Do you think it would help uh, or maybe that a candidate can do that to try to make it clear for the, mm -hmm. for the recruiter or it wouldn't be necessarily welcome to like really show that, okay, I've done that and these are the benefits that mm -hmm. I can apply in, in corporate world maybe in my spare time i have been helping some friends who have trouble finding a job and they send me their cvs or they send me their resume letters and they ask me to have a look over it and that's often what i tell them because sometimes they put on their okay volunteer work and i'm like okay but what do you do there and then it turns out they actually have a lot of work with that and and they do negotiations and they go help out with elderly people they do all these things and on the resume is volunteer work and everyone just looks over it so that's what i always tell them like um, try to make it clear to the recruiter what the benefit of this is okay this means you're a person who is um, very helpful this means you're a person who is dedicated and passionate this means you already have some negotiation skills um, you have some administrative skills uh, from this or that formulate it in, in a way that that uh, the recruiter can see in one glance okay this is what this offers for me rather than just describing it and then tucking it away because then it won't be an asset for you Have you actually felt rejected before yourself on the job market, for example? In the beginning of my career, yes, I have been. At some point, I was so desperate. I was like, I'm just going to quit everything, start over, follow an education that, I'm, that I know will get me a good job, like um, engineer or IT, even if it doesn't interest me. At one point, I was oh. just like, I don't even care what I do. I just want a job. Uh, and I think a lot of um, people who just came from school uh, have that because you spend five years studying at the university uh, and you think, okay, I've been studying for five years here now. I have to be able to do something and no one will hire you because you don't have any experience. That's, that's a story. I keep hearing over and over and that's also what my experience was there and you start questioning everything you start questioning yourself uh, as a person you start questioning your skills or your knowledge your life choices um, there's like a, a small existential crisis that a lot of university uh, students uh, go through so yeah I had that as well and the way I turned it around eventually was actually using the marketing skills I got from my hobby on myself so I started building a personal brand more like using my own advice um, on my own career and I really work you have to really view yourself as a product to be marketed uh, it sounds really dirty maybe but that kind of is the case you can use the same techniques uh, you can use a brand that comes back in every communication you do with the same coloring um, a good layout uh, so it's easy on the eye and then use the right words make sure the skills are explained to the recruiter instead of just describing really okay what's the asset here there's a lot of tips like that I could go on and on but for me it turned around when I started viewing my resume and my job hunting as marketing rather than job hunting that really worked <laughs> you're listening to the better teams podcast thank you we hope you enjoy it feel free to follow our facebook page better teams podcast to ask us questions and discuss these episodes or previous ones with fellow listeners now let's go back to our conversation On LinkedIn, what struck me at first is that you describe yourself as radical HR. What does it mean to you, radical HR? 
when I say radical HR, uh, what I mean is that I think a radical shift is necessary in the way we approach uh, employer versus employee relationships um, at the moment. And we can see that's already starting to happen. You see some companies being the forefront, being the pullers from this, but you know, we, we can't hold on to the archaic power imbalance between the employer and the employee. And used to be that uh, the employee had to go to the employer and basically grovel in order to get a job and the boss's will is law and stuff like that. And, and that just doesn't work anymore. The balance has shifted. We have a new generation that values other things than money in a job. And I think companies who still keep looking at their employees as their underlings, they will get in more and more trouble trying to find good people because that's not what the new generations are looking for. They would rather often get paid a little less, but being happy where they are, being appreciated, being able to voice their own opinion, even uh, to the CEO or to other um, higher placed uh, people in the in the company. And that to me is the radical HR, just moving away from that, okay, you have the employer on top and then the employees under it and just moving towards more like an equal partnership. And okay, what benefits can we provide for each other so that everyone's happy and we can move on in the best way possible. So for me, the way in which to do this is a part of the radicalness of, of, of it. So there's already some initiatives being taken. Some companies have already started to do four-day work weeks, unlimited holidays, for example. There's this uh, company called Storfs in, in Belgium. I don't know if you know it. Uh, it's a shoe company. It's consistently ranked as one of the best employers in Belgium. So uh, everyone wants to work there. And this is because the boss of the shoe company is a very radical HR-minded person. So he said, okay, everyone has crappy days. Some Sometimes you get out of bed and you're like, wow, this day sucks already. And he said, okay, everyone gets a sucky day. <laughs> he calls it the Furtdagske in Dutch. <laughs> everyone gets a day off, no questions asked. So okay. everyone in the company can just go like, okay, this day sucks. I'm staying in bed. And he does this for the psychological well-being of his, of his employees. But it's a great way to, on the one hand, enhance the, the psychological well-being and making your employees engaged. But on the other hand, that is amazing marketing because yeah. everyone wants to work there. They have so many candidates to choose from, whereas other companies are having trouble finding people. I'm not necessarily saying everyone should have sucky days uh, everywhere, mm. <laughs> but it's just, it's another way of thinking. I think we need another way of thinking if you want to go into the future with HR, because if we keep just standing on top of the employees as employers, we're going to lose them. It makes me think about diversity and inclusion. And I think we have covered quite well the why companies should be more diverse and include more people. But a question which comes back quite often is more on the how side of things. I mean, if companies hire people with very diverse, very complex, sometimes very complex backgrounds, what does it mean to include them properly? And can you recommend yourself, for example, uh, good practices or good ways of thinking to really include this diversity in companies? Diversity in, in many terms. So you have racial diversity and, and yeah. religious diversity. You have um, the diversity uh, of sexuality. Diversities. Yeah, you have so many diversities. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them are being made a little artificially uh, in the sense that, okay, we are, we are accepting these people as, as employees uh, and, that, and that's about it. And I think more needs to be done in terms of diversity uh, in the sense that we need to exploit diversity like we exploit weirdness. Everyone has very different backgrounds. Everyone has very different experiences. And this diversity as well is an experience and a background that could be mm. uh, an asset. So rather than just hiring them and saying, okay, now we have a diverse employee uh, number, to me, this means hiring them and uh, actually consulting them to see how we can make a better workplace um, for them, for others, uh, to see what kind of ideas they have, what kind of input they have that others might not think about. For example, if we have Muslim employee, 
uh, often they are hired, okay, fine. Uh, we accept Muslims in the workplace. Uh, you can have your scarf on, your hijab on, but maybe just ask that person, okay, what would you be happy with? What experience would make working better for you? Maybe there's like a little back room that nobody is using. And if we put a mat in there and allow people five minutes a day to have their prayers, this might greatly enhance the well-being of, of all Muslim employees without actually costing us anything. But because no one is actually asking them, they're just there as a number in the diversity number. And I think that's true of a lot of minor Minorities as well as weirdos in backgrounds, I think everyone has such a unique view and such a unique background and experience. And everyone can have valuable ideas from the cleaning lady to the CEO. Everyone can give valuable input and should be heard. When we talk about diversity and inclusion, sometimes it's as if most of us are not diverse. There are some diverse people. They start to ask for uh, more uh, recognition and that the company, the organization, society must adapt to them. But actually, we are all kind of diverse, right? The diversity mm-hmm. inside us is obvious. So maybe just most of us before used to get into the mold. And now we want more out of um, the job, out of the company. I don't know. Yeah, I think so too. It's like diversity is still a way of saying, okay, there's us. And then we allow these and these and these diversities yeah. in there and it's still like within the diversities it's supposed to be like a homogenous group and that's just not the case the diversities are as diverse as the non-diversities um True. white straight most standard people are still all diverse and still all have other inputs and other backgrounds uh, that could yeah. be valuable and i think if you view it that way there would be less of a clamor of oh now they want to be catered to and now we suddenly need to do all these things for the gays and now suddenly mm. we need to do all these things for the muslims but i mean you also want to be recognized for your own diversity and for your own meanness (laughs) so i think if everyone just looks at this as this is being allowed to be yourself rather than being allowed to be a diversity i think that would be a different take on it I think it's human as well. I mean, Mm. there's been some experiments, some psychological experiments. They took a group of people and they were like, you, you and you, you are A and you, you and you, you are B. And within a matter of minutes, hours, the two groups have been pretty much fighting each other, being all, okay, we need to keep our assets uh, and and this is ours and this is ours. Even though there was literally not one single tangible difference between the groups, rather than one is being called A and the other is being called B. They felt like this is, yeah, A is better. And then suddenly they even though there's literally no reason it's 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 a human trait i guess to be us versus them um and it's very hard to eliminate that kind of thinking it's interesting you talk about that because you were a psychologist Uh, i mean you are you studied psychology (laughs) i Uh, have a degree i'm not a psychologist as a job but (laughs) yes but how does it help you in your daily life and as an HR manager? I mean, do you have useful tips? And you gave a few already, but do you have useful tips, a method to share to help improving relationships between people in a team, for example, or to help leaders, managers to develop more inclusive practices? Well, being a psychologist uh, as a background did really help me a lot, mostly in communication, because I noticed a lot of misunderstandings seem to come from communication that went wrong. Just people having a completely different take on how they say something, and then it gets received even more differently on the other end, and eventually the message just gets all skewed. So, for example, you have someone who makes a joke about a colleague, a little tasteless joke. Um, everyone has like these uncle kind of people <laughs> in the company mm. who make tasteless jokes, and the other colleague out of nowhere snaps out and it's like oh you're always being mean and 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 you're just out for me and the other one will be oh stop making such a drama what are you attacking me for and then suddenly there's there's a fight going on and 
that's because everyone is just talking about, oh, you're, you're doing that wrong and you're always doing that and you're always doing this. And one of the things I took from being a psychologist was the me messages. And that helped me so much in my career already. Instead of saying, okay, you're always doing this, you just turn it around and talk about yourself. Okay, I'm noticing that this happens. I'm experiencing it this way. Um, it left me feeling hurt, frustrated. I noticed you saying that. I want to talk to you about it. Is it possible we can communicate mm. another way or you could not say things about that anymore because it makes me feel like this. And just avoiding you're always that and you're never this uh, strong words like always and never and yeah. avoiding talking about the other person and instead just switching it to this is what I am experiencing. Can you understand that? And are you willing to make a difference for me? The difference in, in response from the other person is magical. Suddenly they're all willing to help you and they won't be feeling so attacked but it's a conscious switch you need to make but once you made that switch it's so much easier to deal with small annoyances and you will get so much more love from other people <laughs> it leads me to well-being at work i mean I, i also know you're a strong advocate for employee satisfaction for well-being at work so wanted to ask you what would be for you key elements to ensure the highest level of satisfaction to improve employee experience Well, there's a lot of steps in employee experience yeah. because you have the whole life cycle from start to finish of the career. And in every step of that, there's ways to improve the experience. But I think it all starts with, with believing in your people. You hire someone, I'm assuming, because you believe in them, because you believe they can make a difference for your company, because you think they have a potential there. And then still, oftentimes, uh, someone gets hired and instantly gets um, controlled, micromanaged. They have to come in at that exact hour and they have to tick in and tick out uh, with their badge and then if they don't want to work at home the computer gets managed to see how many orders you did and I think a lot of satisfaction is just from being trusted and being trusted to do your job and being made to feel like okay they think I'm something special they think I'm trustworthy and then automatically you're, you're going to not want to reach that trust and it becomes a mutual thing rather than when you control someone the first response of people is trying to avoid the control so they go into smoke behind the corner instead of in view but you're not helping anything I think it works way better if, if people feel like okay I am getting entrusted with this important task and I'm gonna make the best of it because they gave this to me so that for me is a step that just works in, in the whole employee life cycle from the hiring to the whole career and uh, to the finish as well if you make people feel like uh, you trust them they will trust you right back that's very true I think We're coming to the end of this interview and I always ask the same question to people. If I were to give you the final say, and I'm giving you the final say, who would you like to send a message to? Well, we've been talking about the weirdos and the multipotentialites and the diverse people. And I know I, I know a lot of them out there uh, who still message me regularly with their frustration about the job hunt. And with, um, you know, a lot of them are, are hiding themselves and, and toning it down in, in hopes of finding a job with a respectable company. And I understand that need and, uh, and I understand the frustration. But um, I just want to give a shout out to them who feel like they have to compromise on who they are uh, just to get a job. You're great the way you are. There's some wonderful in every experience and eventually you will find a company and a hiring manager who will see the value in your specific experience and where you can be yourself and even when it's hard sometimes don't settle for less. I think that's indeed a great and powerful message and actually I would be curious to know I mean if multipotentialites, weirdos, anybody I think that we are all kind of weirdos in our own ways. If listeners you want to write, comment, talk to us about what you're going through that would be very interesting if you have your own personal stories please share it. People need to talk more about that as well. You can tend to be isolated quite easily. 
Yeah, find the other weirdos. That, it yeah. really helps. <laughs> Create a really, tribe. F- find people who celebrate you for your weirdness and who celebrate the quirks you have and make you believe in yourself. <laughs> That's yeah. important. Well, I want to celebrate you and I want to thank you again because it was a really rich discussion. Thank you too. I loved uh, doing this. Um, it was new for me, but it was really fun. Thanks everybody for listening. If you like this podcast, uh, please give it a good review. You can also join our Better Teams podcast growing community on Facebook where you can start interacting with other fellow listeners and directly ask us questions that we can address in the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.